Hi, this is Kate. Just before you listen to this next episode, I wanted to let you know about an opportunity with Amicable. As you may know, we're thrilled about the upcoming historic change in the divorce law. And I know that for many of you too, this has been a long time coming. So if you are waiting for the introduction of the no-fault system, and you're happy to share your story with others, then please get in touch with Amicable today. We're looking for couples who are happy to talk to the media about this seismic change in the law. Please contact us no later than the 24th of March using the email address hello at amicable.co.uk. Thanks very much. Enjoy this next episode. Welcome to the Divorce Podcast, a podcast that aims to address divorce separation and co-parenting here in the UK, countering the often sensationalist way it's portrayed in the media, challenging the status quo and driving for reform. On each episode, I'm joined by experts to discuss divorce, separation and co-parenting from different angles and to give their opinions and to debate them. I'm Kate Daly, a relationship counsellor and divorce coach, co-founder of Amicable, the divorce services company and host of this divorce podcast. In this episode, I was joined by Isabel Syred, who's the service manager for Divorce and Financial Remedy. Izzy's worked for HMCTS for 35 years and she's worked on divorce and financial remedy specifically for the last five years. She's been heavily involved in moving the process from paper to digital, which is currently well established with a digital uptake of 89% for people doing the divorce themselves. In this episode, we discuss the upcoming changes to the online system with the introduction of no-fault divorce scheduled for April 2022. This is a really exciting change and one that we as a company have been a key advocate of. We discussed how the new system is expected to be implemented The benefits of no-fault divorce, such as the fact you'll be able to petition together as a couple and that there won't be grounds for divorce anymore, other than the fact that your marriage has irretrievably broken down. It was such a privilege to have this behind-the-scenes insight into the HMCTS no-fault divorce implementation. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Welcome, Izzy. Hi, Kate. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And it's lovely to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. Those uptake figures are pretty impressive. Now that you've led that transformation from the old-fashioned paper-based system to that modern online digital divorce journey, what was the driver behind that change? It's really to improve that customer experience, really, and to reduce the number of pain points that were in the system. So the jargon as well. So the paper form, which was quite a long form, they're trying to reduce that and make the language more plain English, because a lot of people in person struggle to understand that legal jargon. So it's to try and drive out some of that language and make it So it fits within the rules still, but it makes it easier to understand for a user. And also to try and remove some of those bottlenecks in the system. So trying to automate the journey or or put it validation in the journey to prevent users getting it wrong as well. Because in the current, well, in the old paper system, there was 40% of divorce applications used to get rejected. So by making it into a digital form and making it plain English and inputting that validation into the system, it's it's sort of reduced the uh, number of rejections by less than 1%, which is, which is massive. So I think that 
tells its own story, really. So you've gone from 40% being rejected to less than 1% being rejected. That's incredible. Yeah. And it sounds like there's a real desire and a drive to help people do this for themselves rather than having to go to a specialist and get somebody else to fill paperwork in on their behalf. Yes, definitely. And, you know, we, we do we do feel now that there's more people applying for their divorce unaided, so without a legal representative. So the percentage has increased. Um, so usually it was, it was about half and half, but now is more, you know, there's more than 60% of people who do apply in person, which shows that the system is easier to understand and there's more signposting to guide the user, more notifications in a timely manner that are automated that tell a user what the next step is. So it's more, you know, it's more interactive for the user. And so that's really why probably our digital uptake is so high for, for, for people in person because, you know, it, it's um, easier to operate and understand. And you can pay online as well. You don't have to send a separate payment request in. So it sounds like you've really smoothed out the process. And I guess we should make it clear here that when we're talking about the divorce journey, we're talking about the journey to unpick the marriage. We're not talking about financial applications or children applications, are we? (laughs) Just the legal paperwork to stop you being married to somebody else or to end your civil partnership. Brilliant. Okay. And so we've got this online system. More people can use it themselves. That's a clear advantage. What other changes have you seen? Has it led to the process being quicker, for example? Yes. So um, really building on what I've just said, really, because that process is less resource intensive, uh, there's less rejections. So the end-to-end process is more streamlined and it's more automated. So it has to pass certain checks in the divorce process, but there's less likelihood for there being backlogs because of that timely notifications and automation so the end-to-end divorce process you know and a straightforward divorce where both parties are responding and uh, moving the divorce forward can on average take between 18 and 20 weeks where it's probably a lot longer in in the paper journey previously it's important to say though as well we have made a lot of changes to the paper form so people can still apply on paper should they wish to and so um, that paper form has improved so there's less chance of it getting rejected so there's more chance of a a put you know a user getting it right on paper as well but but obviously the better the better way for hmcts if is if more people do apply digitally and we can provide that support as well to people who wish still to use paper to still apply on paper we could still provide that support to those people that might not be as confident or need that extra support for digital okay so if people want to do it digitally but are a bit unsure they can what phone up or or is there a live chat how do people get in touch yeah there's web chat and there's also phone call and we can put people in touch with with our assisted digital support uh, people as well. So so there's always those options. Okay. So more and more people able to do it themselves, which obviously reduces the cost to people, which sounds really um, promising. What have been the challenges of the shift from paper to digital, do you think? 
Well, it's just that change in, in the way of thinking, isn't it? And that changes to the language as well. So, you know, changing some of that legal, you know, that legal jargon to plain English, that's been challenging. Moving from a wet signature on a paper divorce application to a digital statement of truth. You know, so all those changes take time to research to make sure we're doing things actually within the rules and also liaising with the judiciary, the legal and policy colleagues and also other stakeholders to make sure that we are operating within the rules, but we're also making the system less painful for people in terms of the process side. And when you bought it first in, were there problems, were there teething troubles, or do you think it went really smoothly when it came in? Looking back now, because we've been embedded now over the last few years, so that digital uptake has steadily increased as we've improved the functionality and made the process end-to-end. So when we initially started as a pilot, seems a long time ago now, (laughs) with just the divorce application, we did have some teething IT problems. We received feedback from users saying, oh, this wasn't quite working properly or, you know, so so we did, we were able to make changes and improve it and get it right, really. But that's why we started as a small pilot initially, so that we could test on a few users and then gradually increase it. So you've modernised the way that the divorce process works. And now coming down the line is a massive legal change, isn't it, with no-fault divorce. So presumably, you're going to have to change the systems to incorporate the new no-fault rules. Just give us a brief outline of some of the changes that will happen as a consequence of no-fault divorce. So, yeah, so no-fault divorce, by its name, really, it's removing that conflict from the divorce application. So the grounds for the current divorce, there's five grounds. So you can apply on behaviour grounds, adultery, um, five years separation, two years by consent and desertion. Uh, But they'll be removed. So the only ground is the irretrievable breakdown of the marriage. So that takes out that blame part. And also you can apply jointly or you can apply solely. So jointly is where both of you can maybe sit down together or not sit down together, but you're applying jointly. So it's a joint application. Uh, That means there's no acknowledgement of service. So response to that. Or you can apply solely where you would be the applicant and the other party would be the respondent and they would reply to the divorce, similar to what happens now. The language, the terminology is changing as well. So instead of decree nisi and decree absolute, decree nisi would be conditional order. And instead of decree absolute, final order. Uh, we introduced the 20 weeks as well. So after the case has been issued, it has to wait for a 20 weeks cooling off period before you can apply for your conditional order. Um, so that's a change as well from the current system. A respondent in a sole application, rather than having seven days to reply, they have 14 days. So a bit more of a realistic response time. So, yeah, so those are fundamentally the main changes, really, in the new law. Mm -hmm. And you'll have to change the digital system, obviously, to you'll have a new journey, presumably, and it will still be simple and automated. Yes, it's the divorce journey, but with changes. So it's the current digital divorce journey, but we've made changes to it to support the changes with new law. 
to make all those changes. So the ability for a joint or sole application, etc. Removing the facts out of the current divorce. Um, so yes, yeah, so all those changes we're in the process of developing, not just for the citizen digital journey, but also for the solicitor's journey. And also the paper forms as well. So all the paper forms, the key main paper forms in divorce will be changing. And then there'll be terminology changes for other forms relating to, say, like financial remedy, etc. And will this is due to schedule to come in in April of 2022 and it is that still the scheduled date as far as you're concerned yes that's right yes so we're still looking at uh, april 2022 and what will happen to civil partnerships will they be on the same journey yes so um, we will be also enabling people to apply for their civil partnership digitally so they can do that on the using the online system and we'll also have the paper forms as well but hopefully That'll be a big benefit to those people that who are issuing a civil partnership. They can do that online as well. Right. And will it literally digitally go on the 5th or 6th of April from being from being the old journey to the new? What will the transition be like? I'm just trying to imagine what happens if you apply on the Monday and your petition gets delayed. Will it go into the new system or the old system? How will all of that transition work? So we're still working the detail of that through, but how we envisage it working is that on the 6th of April, any divorce application received on the 6th will be under the new law. So under either digitally received online or via paper form. So the cutoff is that 5th of April at midnight is the cutoff. So we'll be encouraging people if they're wishing to file their paper application before the 6th of April to get it in in time. So be mindful of the posts and making sure that they leave enough time because any paper application that's received after the 6th of April or on the 6th of April will, you know, will be rejected and will be asking the person to apply using the new form. But with digital applications, it is easier because when you file your digital application, you've got up until midnight and you, it's instantaneous, isn't it? Whereas on paper, you've got the postal system to contend with. So there will be a detailed transition process, but that's broadly how it's going to work. So from a digital perspective, at one minute to midnight, you'll see one form and at one minute past midnight, you'll effectively see a different form. And there won't be a closed down period. It, it will literally seamlessly transition. It should be as seamless as that, really. So the old system will be stopped, you know, on the 6th of April and the new system will kick in straight away. So for people going on to gov.uk after midnight on the 5th of April, so it will be the 6th of April, they should have the new, they'll only be able to apply under the new process or the new law. And tell me, what are you expecting to happen around that time? Are you expecting to see a surge in applications or what do you think or what what do we know from sort of previous experience in other countries is likely to happen? Yeah, I mean, we do expect with any big change such as this and uh, when there was changes, I think, in Scotland with divorces, there was a, an initial peak of work. So we do expect there will be an increased number of applications during the first few months of new law, because obviously we expect uh, people who would normally wait for two years by consent, we expect those people obviously to be, so there'll be a, a pull forward of work we expect. Uh, so those separation facts in the current law will maybe pulled forward. So we do expect an increase in the first few months, certainly. 
And do you think that, I mean, there's been sort of talk about whether or not that changes will ever increase the number of divorces. It feels to me like, as you say, it's just a redistribution of the work rather than an underlying trend that somehow this is going to lead to more divorces. It doesn't strike me that a change in the system would be enough to... No, I mean, we don't, we don't know, do we? But we, we expect it just really be just a, like you say, uh, the work probably, it will even out the work should do, you know, after a, a good 12 months into the new law, we expect that to even out over time. What would your advice be to people who are wondering whether to get on with their divorce or wait for the new system or what 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 is the government advice at this point carry on as normal or I mean it's to carry on as normal you know we, we're not encouraging people to wait for the new law or we're not encouraging people to to ensure they get their divorce application by the 6th of April it is entirely up to up to people uh, obviously they can seek legal advice if should they wish to but it's up to HMCTS just to set out how that transition will happen, really, which is what you know I've referred to earlier. But yes, but we'll be just outlining what those changes are. So it'll be up to up to the individual to make that decision, really. You know, so that that's really personal decision. But do you think there may be a backlog? So are, are you concerned that there may be a backlog as people adjust to the new system and? You know, if the, if there is pressure, if it is pulling work forward, and there is a peak in divorces, are you able to cope with that peak, or is it is it going to mean that at first there's going to be some delays? So HMCTS, we are you know doing our best to anticipate that peak. So what we're doing is looking at our resources and trying to make sure that we have sufficient resources in place to deal with a potential peak. So we're doing some detailed analysis on on what that peak could be and then taking it from there. But yes, that should all be in place from go live date. So yeah. Mm. And what about people who've already started their divorces? What does the no fault legislation mean for them? I mean, they'll obviously have applied under the old rules. But do you anticipate any service changes from their perspective? Will they see any different? Will they need to do anything different or wait longer? No. Know that it shouldn't impact any cases that are already in transition or already have been received prior to the 6th of April. They will just carry on as they are. So they will just carry on using the old law until their case is completed. And there shouldn't be any adverse effect on the old law cases. You know, they should all smoothly carry on being worked through the system in either a digital fashion or a paper, whichever journey they are on. And ultimately, I guess because there's this cooling off period you, you mentioned, will it mean that divorces take a little bit longer, albeit they'll be better because there's no fault, there's less conflict, the journey will be much more easy to navigate, you'll be able to do a lot more yourself. So huge positives and huge advantages. But ultimately, will a no-fault divorce effectively take longer than a fault-based divorce does at the moment? Because of the 20 weeks, it, potentially that could be the case because obviously the 20 weeks applies from the issue date. So the earliest, bearing in mind that the case has to be listed for a pronouncement and then you've got the six weeks before you can apply for your final order, uh, the earliest a case could probably go through the system unless it's been expedited. But it's 30 plus weeks, really, realistically. I mean, current divorce, like I've already mentioned, you know, on a journey where there's no 
where both parties are responding and there's no other delays. It takes on average 18 to 20 weeks. So, yes, but, you know, overall, like as you've just outlined, because of the no conflict uh, and the overall process is simpler and easier to to navigate through, then actually the benefits will be, hopefully, in using the new law. It sounds like it. I think the benefits will far outweigh any of the potential downsides, won't they? I mean, the, the removal of the conflict, being able to do it as a couple. I mean, that's... Jointly as well, you know. Yeah, they... doing things jointly, particularly if you're doing finances in a more cooperative way and you've got financial things to sort out or children. It seems a much more natural way to go about things, doesn't it, than falling into that adversarial process. I mean, what a lot of changes, what a lot you've got on your plate. <laughs> it doesn't sound like you're going to be getting a holiday for a few months. <laughs> And will there there be, you know, support for people or training resources or how are you going to communicate all of this to people and users, court users, service users and professionals? Yes. So, of course, we're in the middle of developing a communication strategy as well. So we hope, you know, early in the new year, probably early February, we hope to be able to share that communications strategy like a pack really that will give an overview of all the changes obviously we'll seek this support from yourselves and from other organizations we'll obviously update gov.uk so that people the public are made aware of the changes that are coming and obviously we've got our other stakeholder groups that we liaise with that we'll be you know pushing our guidance through those avenues as well But certainly in the new year, we will start to provide more information around the new law and what's coming. It's all like the forms, you know, having early sight of all the different forms, videos and demonstrations of how the new digital system will work, etc. That sounds like a welcome relief because it's quite nerve wracking, isn't it, when you know there's a big new change coming and just wondering how that's going to play out for people. It's been really fascinating to understand the journey that you've been on and the the way that the paper has moved to digital and then has now moved to the new no fault process. So thank you so much for sharing all of that, Izzy. It's absolutely fascinating and, and can't thank you enough for giving up your time. If people want to find out more about the changes, is there a particular place on the government website they can go to? So at the moment, uh, they can make their inquiries on gov.uk because I think you can or you can um, if you've got any questions, etc. If yourselves have got any questions, of course, you can email me in the interim. But obviously, there'll be more information probably in the new year. And we'll obviously set up some further communications, uh, meetings, etc. next year when it gets a little bit nearer the time. Izzy, thank you very much for your time today. It's been fascinating hearing about all of the changes for no-fault divorce. If you want to find out more about these podcasts, you can follow the podcast by going to thedivorcepodcast.com and subscribing. You can also find out a bit more about what we're up to by following me on Twitter. I'm at Kate underscore daily. And you can find out about upcoming podcast recordings by following at divorce underscore podcast. <laughs>